All right, folks, we're going to be close. Let's make sure we have our bracelet. Let's make sure we have our towel. Let's make sure that we are safe as we plunge. Watch the little children as you go in, and do not dive in the shallow area. We don't want anyone getting hurt. We are 15 minutes away from plunging. Happy Thanksgiving, Nantucket. Love the flamingos. Way to go, flamingos. Very nice. Johnny, nice robe. Love it. Gotta first love time it. doing this? This is our second. My second. Second? This is my first time. Do you have any advice for me? Well, I went in when I was like six and stayed in for a solid two seconds, so I mean, not much. What's the record, you think? Two seconds? Ten seconds? I don't know. Postcard and back, swimming. <laughs> what number plunge is this for you? Uh, this must be seven. Seven? Yes. Yeah, How does this fare as far as coldness? This actually is pretty nice today. There's no precipitation. This is pretty good. I right like on. it. Close to, the, close to the water temperature is good. That's what know? we want. All right. Ooh, chilly. Chilly it was that morning at the Turkey Plunge down on Children's Beach. That was a, uh, a first time for me. I uh, decided to go down there and check it out. Those are some of the brave uh, brave plungers I had a chance to talk to as we were sitting there uh, on the beach waiting to take that frigid plunge. And I have to say it was invigorating. What a uh, fun, fun event down there in Children's Beach. The turkey plunge raising a lot of money uh, for the Athenaeum. And uh, well worth it. Decided that uh, this was the year I was going to take part in it. And uh, huge turnout. And, uh, you know, you kind of get fired up, your adrenaline gets going, but, uh, man, is it cold. And, uh, I went and dove all the way in with my team of, uh, friends there. It looked like everyone was, uh, enjoying it <laughs> for the brief second that it happens. Cold it was, though, but we did it, and money was raised for a good cause. That's what it's about. Anyway, Nantucket, how are you guys doing today? How does this episode of the podcast find you? My name is Doug Cody. You're listening to Inside the Whale Nantucket's first podcast. Sick of hearing me say that, I bet, right? Hopefully things are going well, because we're in it, man. This is the holiday season. Stroll weekend is coming up. The lights are up. The trees are lit. The town looks festive. Went to dinner last night. Walked through town, and God Damn, does it look festive. Norman Rockwell, eat your heart out, buddy. This is Nantucket, baby. Dig it. It looked nice, though. Man, a little too picturesque, right? Well, that's just part of the island, right? That's the charm. New England charm. Hopefully, uh, I'm making an attempt to get all my Christmas gifts done before the first week of December so I don't panic. That's my note. That's my plan, and I'm sticking to it. So, folks, where are we here? Where are we? I'll tell you where I am. I'm in the laundry room of our house. Uh, <laughs> I can't seem to pick the proper place to do these intros and outros for this podcast. And I'm hiding out in the laundry room recording this. Nothing says professionalism like the gentle hum of a dryer, right? Right. Let's get into it, folks. Enough chit-chat. Let's get in to the episode. My guest today is a marketing and branding strategist. I like that term. You know, she really has created a unique platform through her creation of Nantucket's Black Book. Yes, the one, the only Holly Finnegan is my guest today. 
You know, she's been on this island a long time, was a bartender for nine years, then decided, you know what, I'm going to switch things up. I got to tell you, I was very impressed with Holly. I really was. You know, her story is one of uh, self-reinvention and opportunity. She walks the walks and talks the talks and all that jazz, but she, uh, you know, I found her very driven and focused, and I was uh, really taken back by how uh, driven she was, and she knows exactly what she's doing. With the Black Book, and you know, the proof is really the success of it. And uh, everyone, whether you know it or not, uh, you know, she's really taken this thing to the next level and created a platform. Uh, so it was really interesting to sit down and talk to her and uh, hear her story. And I'm really excited to bring that to you guys today because that's what we're doing here. So let's just jump into it. Holly Finnegan, Nantucket's Black Book. You know it, you've seen it, you know the name. Now let's get to meet the woman behind the idea, right? Let's do it, folks. Episode 42, Holly Finnegan. Let's do it. Let's go inside the way. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Big as an island. A whale, a whale, a whale, whale big as an island. It just sort of happened. Yeah. So, just like that. And mm-hmm. that was, uh, let's see, I mean, 2010 was when I first started okay. coming here. Okay. And then, uh, and then now, full time. Awesome. So. And you started the podcast a year ago? Yeah, it's been about a year now. Awesome. And so, this is, uh, this will be episode 42. Mm-hmm. Cheers again. Right, cheers. We're, we're sipping some uh, some red wine because it's that time of year, right? <laughs> because it is. It's going to be dark in like twenty minutes, so mm-hmm. this is like basically dinner time. It's practically nighttime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I'm so excited that you're here because I'm so excited for you. uh, you're one of these people that uh, I had a, um, a guest on two, three podcasts ago, and we talked about the reinvent, reinventing yourself and how Nantucket is one yeah. of these places that you really can reinvent yourself. Yeah. You know, I thought, and then your story, which I've known peripherally. I don't know you personally, but we're just one of those people. Oh, I know who she is. So now that you're sitting here, I have a chance to really get into the nuts and bolts. Good, bad, and ugly. Of of your of of who Holly Finnegan is. (laughs) So where did it start? So um, my big sister in my sorority at UNH is a Nantucket native. So when we graduated from UNH in 2005, she was like, oh, you should come live with my family. Because I'd always bartended up at um, UNH. And she was like, this is a perfect opportunity for you to make some really good money. Be in the restaurant industry down there. She was a landscaper. Out and, here. Uh, out here. For and who, so, do you know? For, at that point, it was for Betsy Brown. Betsy Brown? Yes. Name's yeah, yeah. familiar. There you go. I think that's it. But she, so, and, and Annie, who was like... Um, so she used to call me her big sister because I think that I like kind of took care of her as well as she took care of me uh, at UNH. She said, "Come with my family," and we came down here. <laughs> we came down here for Daffodil Weekend, uh, two thousand and five, sure. because I was going to find a job during Daffodil Weekend. Gotcha. Yeah, and, it's uh, the best time to hit up a bar- to, totally. to hit up a bartender. To, you know, what are you guys doing? Any of you guys want a day off? I'll be back soon. Uh. So I was twenty one. I was graduating from UNH. I was going to school for journalism, which basically meant career bartending. And I was like, you know, 
uh, I'll I'll work or I'll do whatever out here. I just really like this island. I felt like I got off and it was like that like fresh air. It was like all of a sudden I like got off the plane. We have got our Lily Pulitzer bags and some, you know, like a, <laughs> a case of gin or something <laughs> from the New Hampshire liquor store or whatever. And so we, we came out here, we go out that first night, we go a couple of Annie's friends and we go to 56 Union and we have a very nice dinner, but very different from like, you know, the Chili's or Applebee's kind of dinners that of I was course. coming from. So I remember refined. when I saw like the $400 bill or something, I was like, oh my God, what did we just do? And I was like, I'm going to have to go back and bartend real quick. So then we went to a place called Schooners down um, at Easy Street, in the corner of Easy and Broad. And I was there and I was talking to the owner, Maddie Bell. I was like, I'm coming out here. I'm going to, I'll do whatever. And he's like, so you waitress? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you bartend? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you bar back? I'm like, Sure. And so all of a sudden he's like, you're hired. And so that was, then I went to the chicken box and I remember uh, so vividly. Do you remember the band? Oh, I don't remember <laughs> the band. I just remember there was the best line ever is that I was like with my friend Annie and we we're like, you know, I mean, we'd had, had a couple and all of a sudden this like guy comes up to me. He's like, I just want to let you know that you are the prettiest girl here. And I was like, oh my God, I'm moving here. This is amazing. And then I looked and that around. Was it. And I was literally at that point the only girl at the chicken box. So <laughs> I think if I have a chapter in my book, it'll be called The Prettiest Girl at the Chicken Box. And it'll just be like how like if you were one girl at the chicken box, you could potentially be that girl, whoever you are. So, you know, after that, I came back. I worked for a season in 2005. I worked at Schooners. Um, I, you know, didn't know what I was getting into. I worked for Gowie. was my first uh, weekend. I as a bartender? As or? a bar back for my friends Jamie Foster and Taylor. And I literally overstocked a Heineken shelf and the Heineken shelf fell down onto another shelf, which fell down Ouch. onto another shelf, which <laughs> fell down into all of the fruit. So there was glass all over the place Yeesh. and they called me speed bump. So that was like my nickname because I was like, then everything was going fine. Then you got a speed bump there and you got all like, you know, basically sort yourselves out again. So I worked that season. I liked it. It was cool. I, I definitely like you know, fell in love with the island a little, but it was like after in August, I was like, I'm out of here. I gotta go. So you go back to... So I went back to Boston because my dad was like, you need to get health insurance. And I was like, well, all right, so I'll try to figure that out. And I, <laughs> and I didn't. And um, Jay Harmon uh, from Cisco got me a job at this place called The Fireplace because they were selling Whale's Tail and Triple uh, Eight there. And Where was in, that? In Brookline, Massachusetts. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so you're in Boston. So I was in, well, Brookline, which is like basically being like at my dad's house in Concord, Mass. So it was like not Boston. Now, is that but where you grew up in Concord? I grew up in what? Hanover, New Hampshire, but my dad's lived oh, in Concord. So that's Dartmouth. So Dartmouth, so we're exactly. Dartmouth College. Yeah, Dartmouth College. So I, that was my second choice. So I went to UNH. Um, but uh, no, I, I grew up in I, I grew get up that, in Hanover. Though. I, I'm from Syracuse. I, I had no oh, yeah. desire to my go sister to, went to, Syracuse. to Syracuse University. Yeah, like, definitely. You know, it's I didn't like, want to go and to get out of town. Totally. You want like your mom doing your laundry or something, or you do actually, but you're just in hindsight you, you do. So <laughs> so yeah. So we ended up. I did a one season in Boston. That was enough for me. And then I came back to Nantucket. I worked at the galley and then I worked at the Brand Point Grill and I was bartending yeah. at the Brand Point Grill. I left there. I lived in St. John for a winter down in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And then I came back. I worked at the Brand Point Grill. I left and I traveled around. I was in New Zealand for um, like four months um, with three other Nantucket girlfriends. Wow. Then so I, you've covered some bases. I want to go back to St. <laughs> John's because I've been to St. Bart's before. Is okay. St. John's similar to St. Bart's? Same Saint, kind of vibe? You know what? Like St. John is like a hilly Nantucket. It's definitely because it's a U.S. Virgin Island, you don't need a passport. So you can work really easily as opposed to St. Right. Bart's where you can't. So um, so it was like living in, um, in St. John. 
like it's like you travel to St. Thomas and then you live to in St. John. So it's like that gotcha. extra step. It's like you go to Hyannis, but then you get to Nantucket. So it <laughs> feels like you're like one step more removed because it's a little harder to get to. Hmm. So um, I, I love St. John. It was super fun. I met a lot of really good friends. Actually, we brought one of our really good friends up here from St. John. Um, her name is Jess, and she's work, been working at Lola ever since 2007, since she came up from St. John. Um, uh, is her boyfriend... Karam? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Jess. Yeah. So, so Jess was working down in St. John. We became friends with her. We told her to come up to Nantucket and then she's been here living year round since 2007. It's funny how Nantucket yeah. sucks people in like that oh, yeah. through a friend, through totally. a friend. It's like a ticket onto the rock. It's like a golden ticket, like a Willy Wonka thing. Yeah. I think it's, don't you think it's harder if you, if you come in here and not, if you don't have any sort of connection? Yeah. It can, yeah. It, it's a, it's a little harder. You need to have an in. Well, it like sucks you in or it spits you out. It's very like very clear the people that are going to do well here and the people who the island is trying to like push them away. I it's think so that, funny. Like, I always New York City's like that. Yeah. You know, New York yeah. City spits people, takes them in, spits yeah. them, chews them out. <laughs> yeah. No. And Nantucket, Nantucket has its own little, uh, you know, its little mill there, like just churning people in and out. Yeah. I love. I mean, I think that's what I love so much about it is that like it's not for everybody, and that's exactly why you like it. You know, it's like that's there. That's like the Hendrix Gin slogan that my friend James Osif said to me once, and I was like, that's so true. It's like. Like Hendrix Gin isn't for everybody, but that's why we like it. And Nantucket isn't for everybody, but that's why we like it. You know, it's got yeah, like that, it, like kind of like you either get it or you don't. You know, I think you have to give it time. Yeah. I don't think it, it, it everyone's different, obviously, yeah. I mean, depending on what your experience. I think you could come here on a Fugawi weekend and be like, I'm not going back. <laughs> or you might be like, this is the best place in the world. So it depends. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is kind of like that, though. It is cool. You know, I love I, I, I love the island mentality. I love like the feeling of like knowing everybody. Like my sister lives in Manhattan and that's her island. And I consider Nantucket my island because like she's like, you know, loves being anonymous. And I love like Big Fish Small Pond. And <laughs> you get used to this lifestyle. And I'll never forget there was a cab driver who like said to me once, he, um, I was like coming back from Hyannis and I had to get from like the bus station to the airport. And so he's like, oh, where are you going? I'm like... Nantucket and he was like ah be careful if you live there too long you'll never be able to live anywhere else and I was like one of those like conversations where I was like I can't tell if you're telling me to get out now while I can (laughs) or that like it's an incredible place and like you really won't ever be able to live anywhere else because I think that that starts to sit in too once you like really like the island so you come back to that comment a lot like Wow, that guy made a no, like new something. <laughs> like you know, and I was just I was just with a friend out, a Nantucket friend out in Venice, like last week, and we were talking about Nantucket, and he was saying, um, you know, it's like a giant pirate ship, and I was like, I love that. He's like, it is. It's like you all. That's why the community is like so incredible. It's because we're all living on this giant pirate ship, and we all have to get along. And whether or not like you want to get along with like everybody, it's like yeah, there's always going to be people that irk you, or there's always going to be people that like give you a hard time but like there's also going to be amazing allies that you like meet that always like lift you up and take you to the next like place and make sure that you're okay when they know that you're having a hard day you're seasick you need to get the hell out island. you know it's <laughs> like it's like the island has a um I just had that feeling though about getting off I hadn't I haven't had it yet but I just was like oh man I gotta get off like we gotta go do something yeah, yeah I just yeah. had that intuition like our I'm like well, I would and we got to get off and go. Totally. So where are you going to go? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think we might go. We have probably do like family. 
okay, stuff just good. to go visit family. But I just had that feeling. You said yeah. that made me think, oh, yeah, I just had that feeling like oh, we got to get off the island. Yeah, I think there is something about living on an island of how important it is to remember how special it is. And you only get that when you're away from your home and you only feel how lucky you are to live here sometimes when you're not here and when you don't realize like how freaking beautiful it is and how magical like the feeling around like Nantucket I is. I am continually blown away by the beauty. Totally. Without sounding cliche, it is hands down one totally. of the most beautiful places The the thing I was just thinking about too, when I was in New York, I was such a, you can be anonymous to some extent in yeah. New York. You know, you just kind of go about your day to day. There's just too many people for people to, but here it's very different. You yeah. know, that, that community is there. And yep. like, just like you said, you might see someone that you know, or maybe you don't know it irks you or whatever. You're forced to kind of just deal with them. And in New totally. York, you didn't have to, there was the, the barrier of the city yeah. was yeah. its own barrier. Cause you can just be kind of anonymous. And out here, I think it's a little different. You can be completely anonymous. You just can't go anywhere. So like, <laughs> if you want to like live out in like Sconset for the whole winter, like maybe no one will find you. If you want to live like right, you know, like at the depths of Madikin out in the West right. End, like you can do it. It's and and some a, a lot of people do. You know, that's the yeah. best part about the island. Is that like you can it has still like, have that autonomy. You know. Totally. Like I think like of like ex-boyfriends I've had that I don't run into for years and you live on a little island and then you're like, I never have to see you because that's what Nantucket <laughs> is like. You have your places. Everybody has like, you know, your pearl boho straight wharf and crew and somebody else's starlight kitties, you know, uh, queen right. and center street bistro. Well, and you can be like, what's your place? My, what's my place? I don't know. I got a lot. You know, I bartended like for almost nine years out here. So I know. When I when like... I first got here, I remember you because the first bar Corazon. I went to was Corazon yeah. upstairs. Yeah, yeah. And was a big Corazon girl. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Corazon. Love Corazon. Well, because I miss it was, it. yeah, it was such a niche. You know, Seth and Angela created such an incredible, um, you know, a fusion of Latin and Mexican and like, you know, high end as well with a ceviche bar and a taco bar and like a tequila bar. It was like fresh. And that's like the thing that you find on Nantucket is like when people create that fresh concept, it really stays and resounds with you. Corazon, you know, a third restaurant for people too, that's a lot, you know, and they got, you know, yeah. they're incredible restaurateurs and that place definitely hit the heart of a lot of people it's just you know and now they left while people really missed it too which totally. is totally like, i mean there was definitely i mean we i would you know dinners there and then even the little um the burrito shop oh yeah the takeout oh, the spot. takeout I oh know. man but then you see you see station 21 come in and this like complete reinvention of the space and what audrey stirk did with like the incredible yeah. white brick and then you know the giant chandelier and marco taking his concept that really worked at lola and bringing it over to station it's like you just see these things get reinvented all the time and yes there's always like a serious longing for what that place was before but there's like that push forge through that you're like you know what, there's also like an incredible thing that happened from the heart of Corazon, which was the heart of Vincent's, which was the heart of something else before that, you know. What was it? Do you know? It was, what was Vincent's? See, See like, I love these stories. I don't, I'm relatively I know, you're new. like 2010, I'm 2005. We literally have no street crit together. Like, I know. I mean, like, <laughs> literally, like, if somebody who is like legit Nantucket's listening to this, yeah, probably yeah. like, oh, God. Well, whatever. It. I mean, like, it I is can't. what it is. You know, I've gotten over that pretty quick. I you don't have care. To. I, you I, have I, to. I, you I know? just, I'm, 
going right in. I mean, that's what this whole thing is. I'm well, just exploring because, it and, and trying you're to... telling like the, the incredible thing with 41 other podcasts out there is that you're telling the stories of the people who need to tell you the stories because you don't know the stories. You need the gene mans to like give you like the backstory of what happened at the camera shop or what like, you know, yeah, the, old... the camera shop, the totally. story about the, uh, totally. the jazz club that we used to be where fairgrounds is. Yeah. 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 And the, what is it? 30 acres or whatever, you know, like the, what these like old school spots were that everybody hung out at you love those stories and you need those stories and that's why like I'm a huge fan of Gene and always have been because he like you know really he loved my writing and from the beginning and he would always publish my stuff in Man About Town which was how I got like you know a lot of the recognition as a writer out here was because of him and I'm so you started writing for Gene well, so I started writing a blog back in 2008, all about being single and, the, and And this is when the blog phase was hitting, right? <laughs> this yeah. was, yeah, was it on yeah. Blogspot? It was on Blogspot, nice. So I already had two. I had already had, I was is in Is it New still Zealand. there? Oh my God, yeah. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I needed to take this shit down, actually. I know, so. all right. <laughs> Blogspot. What's it? What was so it called on Blogspot? Was it Holly Blackbook? Holly Blackbook. Hollyblackbook.blogspot.com. I'm looking this shit up, folks. This is good. This is good. These actually, some nights when I'm with a bunch of like girlfriends and guy friends from like the early days, we'll like go back to these and read them because this was like, this was like my real writing. This was like what it was like before I like probably needed to censor myself a little more. So, well, this, I wanted to talk about this because I think that, you know, social media and this is this, what you're talking about is doing, doing the blog spot is really, you know, was the precursor to starting, you know, was the, to what it's become. Right. Mm -hmm. But that it's fascinating because it's grown for a lot of people to as to make it a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's what I think is really interesting. So when you started doing it, when did you were doing it at Blogspot and then how did it evolve? So like Where did uh, the name Blackbook come from first off? Well, but, so like at, I think at the Nantucket Office Products, I bought like a little black moleskin um and I wrote like I had like the ACK sticker and I wrote like my little Nantucket black book and then I was like looking at the ACK sticker and I was like, "Oh, black book like ACK is in there why don't I just do a capital ACK so my favorite is that my my friend Greer when she is uh in Indiana her friends will say to her they're like what's that thing that you're like always tagged in there's all this stuff from the Nantucket black book and she's like <laughs> no, that you don't need to accentuate the ACK like that it's like Nantucket black book the ACK is the airport code it's not so that you say it like black right but, um, <laughs> but so so it just started as a blog and these were all like you know, I mean, these were like, literally, I was an eavesdropper as a bartender. And so I would like, basically, hear some things that people would say, I would like, write it down later. And he said, she said, kind of thing. And then I would find a bunch of photos that I would take on a digital camera. And then I would uh, blur out their faces. And then I would put it online. And you know, like back then, it was like, seemed like a good idea. <laughs> but but the thing was, is that like, I went to school for journalism. So like being a writer is like, innate to me like I can't not write but I was also bartending a lot so I was also like basically like probably half in the bag for like four months of summertime and so I would like need to like hear these things write them down so I didn't forget them and then go to the beach the next day and digest them and like really like I go to like a secret beach out in Madiket and take my time and like reflect on it write about it and then put it online it's interesting but writing it down I think is one of the you know, totally. I have, Look at that. Uh, I just showed her my book. Like you just anything, but that process, yeah, is for me is been you know, the floodgates can open because totally. it allows me to go back and be like, you know, oh hey, I'll that was a good idea or that was an interesting thing. So that 
that's yeah and you read like I feel like I'm much more honest with myself like on something like a moleskin than I am sometimes when I'm like having a conversation with people because I'm less like censored but then at the same time I grew up with a woman who used to say things like don't write down anything that you don't want anyone else to see and that's what's been always like my Achilles with this kind of stuff is because like you write down stuff and then you're like should I have written that or should I have said that and then you think about it and you're like well I did it like I wrote it it's gonna happen has it ever backfired has there been a major backfire you know, one time I like blogged about some guy that I was like mad about that like hooked up with some girl. And I mean, I, I it probably sounded like a little catty, but it, whatever, it felt good to write it. Um, well, that's the power of, <laughs> that's why people become writers, Holly. Oh yeah, definitely. No, <laughs> you can a, name names. Well, no, but see, that's the thing. I never name names. I would never like actually like, that's the whole like beauty of this black book is that I would never like put somebody, I'd but just the be, scenarios like, he were... said, she said kind of thing. And then somebody be like, I think I know who that is. And he'd send me a text being like, I know that blog was about me and I'm like well but I think that almost feeds into (laughs) a small town mentality because people want to know totally people want because because everybody like thinks like you know it's like you're waiting for you to show up even though you're like petrified of it it's like you're like oh am I ever in there like I'm not well good but like I wonder if I ever will be kind of thing well doesn't that doesn't that play into the whole Ellen Hildebrand she doesn't she write about Nantucket hey Ellen is a master at her craft whatever she does I mean she is an incredibly dedicated writer I mean she said something about like that like whatever it was that she may have not been like the best writer at the Iowa workshop, but she was the most dedicated. And that's what it's all about. If you're consistent, then you'll keep it. You know, it's like you're going to like keep going. If you're persistent, you'll get it. Anybody can get it. But like who can keep it? And that's what being a writer is, is like actually being able to like put your craft before your life. Yeah. Well, consistency is huge. I think about that actually. And I want to talk about that with like even the podcast, like just making sure that it was consistent and mm-hmm. I didn't lack and making mm-hmm. sure that I was continually like bringing in interesting people stories and making sure that listeners were engaged and it totally. slowly started to grow. But the consistency is something I totally. always come back to. But yeah, that, cause you could stop for a couple months, but then like what happens and you lose momentum, you lose momentum. Sudden, like, yeah. And then people kind of forget about it or something. It's like, yeah, it's the same in, in so Did many. Did you ever have that with black book where you like, it kind of fell off the radar? I, I mean, I've been, pretty lucky in like five years that I've like haven't lost the passion for what I've been doing but recently I definitely have started to feel like really burned out like I was like kind of tired of it and like when your whole life and your whole like everybody knows what you're doing all the time like that's like pretty much where I was at after the summer it interesting like too much like you know it felt like, like too much just I, I was like really um I was like publicly exhausted like and I like I, I I'm an extrovert and like I love being around people but I'm an introvert in the way that like I have to be alone because it's like how I recharge my battery so that I can get back out there and be that person that everybody thinks that they know you know because that person that they actually know like and who is really that enjoys. person who is that person which one the, the, the one who the likes- one that people know on the outside <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a really positive person and like I'm a really outgoing person and I'm very like, I mean, I've learned from so many different incredible people out here on Nantucket of the way to treat people. So I know how to make people feel welcome and how to make people feel like um, that they're part of something, you know, and that's why I think a lot of people like following Black Book is because they feel like they're part of a community of being on the inside track of what's going on. And, you know, and I base my whole brand and business around advocacy. So I don't advertise like you 
if I don't believe in your brand, there's not enough money that you can pay me to make me put it up there. And for some people, like, you know, like there are publications and, you know, there are lots of different print medias out there that you can just pay the money and you get your full ad out there. And that's great. And that's worked for so long. But we live in a trust economy now. And it's like, I trust you. I like you. I friend you. I follow you. Or I don't like you. I don't trust you. I unfriend you. I unfollow you. And as soon as you lose that trust in these like, in this clientele and these like people nowadays, you're done. Is there a specific clientele that you think Black Book is marketed towards? I mean, I'm 33, so I definitely obviously hit a 25 to 44 demographic. That's like, I mean, like between millennials and post-millennials, like people like, you know, that are surrounded in the age group that I'm in, I hit. But the thing that's really great about when you hit that demographic is that you hit an older demographic that's like, I don't want to become obsolete and I'm still cool. So I need to know what those guys are doing. And I want to be part of Black Book and I want to know what's going on with Black Book. And I tweet and I've Instagrammed to her. I've sent her something, you know, so it's like, do you get solicited a lot? People sending stuff all the time. It's like different, you know, it's like, um, you know, like I'm a disruptor in the media. So it's like, it's a really, for a long time out here. It was disruptor. A, you mean you actually stop the flow of media? <laughs> no, it's like a disruptor in the media, meaning that I came up with a different media than everybody was used to out here. So what happens Absolutely. is that, and then it, yeah. is that like for me, uh, it was really difficult for the first couple of years that I was doing this because people didn't understand it. I like didn't even really understand what I was doing. So let's go back to that. Let's but, so, so. You had the blog spot and when did people, what was that transformation? Where was that when it was like, well, this, I'm kind of onto something. When did that happen? I just knew like people really liked following my writings. I would blog when I would go away. So I had like the Kiwi Chronicles.blogspot.com. And then I had the, excuse me, the Avita Diaries, which was when I was in Argentina for like a winter. And so, and then I would always like come back to Nantucket and keep writing about Nantucket. So back in... Back in 2011, like the whole concept of the Black Book was that it was like writing about what it's like to be single on Nantucket. And they say when you're single on Nantucket and you're a female, that the odds are good, but the goods are odd. So it was like somehow it was like a funny (laughs) play about like what it's like to be single out here. And I basically I had a great run at it, but then I wasn't single anymore. And I was like, you know, it's like not. So it felt fake if you're writing about it. Well, it was just like my boyfriend was like, "Could you stop writing that blog?" Probably like it's like right. not. So it's like it needed to change. You know, it needed to like metamorphose into something else. So then I was like, you know what? Why don't I take the concept of like what I am as a bartender, which is basically personal concierge. People would always say to me, like, you know, where'd you get your dress? Who's playing at the box tonight? Is this hotel kid friendly? Should we go to this beach kind of thing? And why don't I take all that and put it on an accessible website that everybody could kind of, you know, access when they can't pick up their Yesterday's Island or their End Magazine or their Inky. Um, And I grew up with social media, like, you know, as far as a professional goes. So Facebook launched in 2004 at my college is one of the first 300 colleges to get it um, at UNH. So... I saw it like for fun ish, but then afterwards it like definitely as a business person, it started to like resound with me that it was much more of a tool professionally if you used it correctly. So you could really leverage the fact that you had X amount of friends or X amount of likes on your page. So I started, um, black book completely via social media and I've never paid for an ad for it in my life. So I just use all my own tools, um, where I'm at with it. So like, um, so basically in 2011, I was taking a walk with my then boyfriend up at my, um, my mom's house in Vermont. And I was like, you know, I should turn it into something else. He's like, why don't you make it more like a magazine? Like, why don't you make it like more interactive and less bloggy and more telling people what to do? 
So then I contacted my cousin, who is a um, graphic designer and a uh, web developer. And I was like, will you help me like kind of create this website that like has never kind of like existed before? And then, you know, you learn that you like, I love my cousin and I still love my cousin, but you don't like do work with family like yeah, that. Deal really. breaker. But, but he was amazing and he was like incredible. And I was very grateful for what he did. And my boyfriend Joey said, you know, like, you know, I need you to understand something, Holly. You cannot tell people about what you're doing right now. And I was like, why? He's like, because you can't, because somebody's going to copy it if you, like, tell them too much about what you're doing. It's, like, a really good idea, and it was the best advice I got. So I stuck on it for, like, six months, completely quiet, like, built up a little bit of a Facebook page, started teaching myself about Twitter come May, thanks to my friend Jason Bridges, like added in this whole, like, how am I going to launch this and make it like cool? And I launched it in May of 2012. So I just finished my fifth year with it. Um, okay, so that's, yeah, five years. But so. I was still bartending full time. Like I was, bar well, like four days a week as well. So I would like literally get home from the bar at like three o'clock finish up some blog posts, set my alarm for 7 a.m. because this is when it was really important of what time you launched because there was no algorithm. So like if you just launched at 7, everybody saw it at 7 a.m. Yeah, that's, yeah, which I wanted to talk to you about because I'm fascinated too with, with analytics. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, bounce yeah. rate. I was going to, one of my questions, I was like, what's your bounce rate? For, I bounce rate for my do you, do for you my know you, and, and, and do you pay attention to that? Yeah, you know, you pay attention to all the numbers. I mean, the, I... I'm like, I'm not a business person. I'll be the first to say that. Like, I'm not like somebody who is super numbers driven. I was uh, like, I feel like in all businesses, you need somebody who is the creator and like the mastermind behind like, you know, the artistic vision. And then you need somebody who is incredibly good at numbers, who is like looking at the monetization of everything in the bottom line. And for me, I've had to be both of those people, which is like incredibly difficult for somebody like myself who doesn't it. care about like money like I just I do I, do, I like it I like live. more of it like <laughs> you know whatever but I don't like I'm not financially driven I'm much more of like a like like whatever my job and my joy is has to match kind of thing so um so, so I have tons of numbers that I look at. I mean, I've got like my Instagram analytics and my Facebook analytics. I mean, like, Twitter's dying, but I got that. I've got my MailChimp analytics that you can kind of look at, which is always really interesting. Email marketing is fascinating. And I love like, I love looking at what people do because they don't know because <laughs> they don't realize like if I know if you open up an email like one time, never 64 times, I know exactly what you click on. Sorry to anybody who didn't realize that for the last like 105 emails I've sent out. But So do you rely on more email now more than your face because it's Twitter's dying off now mm. and uh, would you, is it more email based now people? It's kind of almost reversing effect like the social media component. Yeah. I mean, the, my strongest influence is my, my Instagram account. So like, that's like definitely the one that I know that like turns money, like basically the return on investment that people see, whether it's the amount of new followers they get or the amount of things that they sell. If I'm promoting something or the amount of people they see that day, if I'm promoting a lunch somewhere, it's like, that's the one that they can see the most out of my, my MailChimp is incredibly effective. I mean, when you have like a 40% open rate and a 10% click over rate, which is actually really huge. When you look at the numbers of marketing for those things is generally like a 10.9% open rate and a 1% click over rate. You can see that whatever you're doing is being really 
really engaging with people, which I love. So yeah, well, you're clearly into it just based on what you're just saying. I mean, like ten point, <laughs> you, you know all your analytics. You clearly yeah. are into it. Like you because because it's addictive. Like everything, like this kind of stuff. Like this is addictive. When you look at your phone and you're like, you know, uh, they create these things to be addictive. So whether it's the high that you get from sending out an email, whether it's the you know high that you get from realizing that seventeen hundred people like a photo or the you know the 90 shares of like why Nantucket's your happy place on but isn't that crazy though like it's a false sense of security when you get that like is it like (laughs) I guess I guess it's different because you're a business I'm thinking I'm processing this now as you're telling this so you it's I would imagine it's different for you because it's a business it's not a you're not just a mom posting pictures of the so it's like your numbers are actually monetarily backed, I guess, yeah. in some to some degree. Well, that's because that's what people are looking for right now. They don't know what to judge social media by. You know what I mean? So they need those numbers. So they need to see, like, you can have 20,000 impressions on an Instagram within one and a half hours. Like, that's insane when you think about how quickly that is. If you look at what other people are using for their numbers, like, in print, they can't say stuff like that. They can't use those numbers to seem like they're as incredibly effective as they are. And it is. And I I think what you're talking about it too is really interesting because it's really the power of social media. When you have content, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a blog spot, you have this avenue to get to reach people now that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I feel like we're almost at a tipping point Mm -hmm. where it's, there's, you know, the platforms are changing, you know, Mm -hmm. you said Twitter's kind of dying off Mm -hmm. and I feel like Instagram's starting to, you're starting to get blasted with ads now. Mm -hmm. I think that could fall off. There'll be Mm -hmm. some new component, Mm -hmm. but it really is a chance to get whatever you're talking about or what your platform is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you look at like like when did Facebook become not cool when your mom friended you? Like everybody knows that. So it's like when is Instagram not going to be cool anymore? When you feel like it's less authentic? When there's too many ads? When you feel like they know too much about you and they're po- like they're like poisoning you with all these sponsored content or right. something like that? I mean, Snapchat is still incredibly effective for the demographic that it's hitting because people still don't understand it. So your mom's not on your Snapchat still. So then there's like that component of things. That that are still actually effective without selling out yet. So wow, I, it's I mean. so crazy that you have to pay attention to all these things. These are <laughs> these are really strong components of like the the business of it. Really, yeah. you know, yeah. do you ever just want to like, if you didn't have social media, how would you run Black Book? Hmm. Just like authentic relationships, because that's really what it's all about. You know. The only people that you see on Black Book are, like somebody said once, I remember some guy wrote, somebody probably didn't realize they were forwarding an email to me that was like a conversation from before because they just forwarded something being like, hey, can you promote this? And then at the bottom, I started reading through the email and this one guy who I knew pretty well in Nantucket. Oh man, back, was, was still on the thread? Was still on the thread and he said something like, <laughs> he said something like, you know, um, I... Uh, like something to the effect of like, uh, while I do like Holly, I don't think that she does a good job because I think she only promotes her friends. And I remember like reading that and I like wow, kind of digested it. it. And I was like, hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't mean spirited or anything. There was like, you know, the soft compliment followed by the harsh blow kind of thing. Everybody can appreciate that. But like, I looked at that. Do you think that. he knew that you were going to see that? Absolutely not. He said, when I sent the, the message back to the woman, I was like, hey, 
whoops. She was like, oh my gosh, please don't ever say that I forwarded that to you, blah, blah, blah. So he definitely didn't know. But, you know, looking back at at what he said, though, and that whole thing of like, you know, she just promotes her friends. I was like, you know what? You're actually right. Because I promote my friends because I trust my friends and I trust what my friends do here. And they're not just my friends. They're like, you know, they're my family out here. They're my like businesses that I really support. They're the people that take care of the other people that I'm sending to them. So every person that you would see in Black Book is a friend of mine. And I've worked with people who aren't friends of mine and it's never worked out. So like any single person that you can see in Black Book, I would be able to text them their number and say, hey, so-and-so had kind of a weird experience at your place. I just want to give you the heads up. But also they like, maybe it was an off night because it was a Tuesday kind of thing. Yeah. And what you're talking about basically is you've kind of developed this thing. I think a lot of people don't understand. So I think it's important. You become what's called a tastemaker and some people don't understand what that is. So Describe yeah. what that is, basically. With that, and, and it's and it sounds ego driven, but it actually what you just described it's you, your relationships. If you wouldn't yeah. be friends with them and promote whatever it is they like, if you didn't trust them or believe in it. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff that has to do with Black Book is the effect that I know how much money it costs. Like, I grew up with a single mom who used to say things like, I have 10 cents till next Thursday. Like, I didn't grow up coming down here. I didn't grow up, like, What did your mom do? Down here. She was a teacher so that she could, like, you know, be home at 3 o'clock. She was an educational assistant, you know? It's like, she was, like, the definite, like, you know, matriarch of our family because she was a single woman just doing everything that she could just to keep it all together. And I would be like, I can find a quarter in the couch and I'm richer than you right now? Like, what is going on so I look at like this lifestyle and the lifestyle that Nantucket is and it's a luxury and I think of like how grateful I am to have this luxury to be here but I know when people come here and they base their entire trip around TripAdvisor or Yelp or these things like I don't trust any of those people that are writing those those reviews because why because they're not the travelers that I know that come to Nantucket a lot of the people who write negative or write positive about places are people who are coming here on like a major mini budget or are coming here because they're looking for something for free because it's so expensive or are having a miserable time because they didn't realize what they were getting themselves into by coming to an island like this 30 miles out to sea they don't understand the level of living that has to happen when you have to get everything shipped in and for me it was like I look at those, like what the top rated TripAdvisor things are. And I'm like, who is writing the, like, who are these people? Like, I don't trust this. And I've read, I saw a whole thing on 60 Minutes about some 17 year old girl out of Iowa who just gets paid $75 an hour. I saw that that 60 Minutes piece. Yeah, to like write bad reviews about places or, or good reviews about places and stuff. And it's like, you, what happened? You lost my trust. I don't trust you. I don't trust your website. I don't trust the travelers. I wouldn't want to hang out with most of those people anyways. So... Uh, if you look at Black Book, what I do is that I, I never write negative about anybody. But if I'm not writing about you, maybe that's me writing negative about you. Because if I don't have anything nice to say, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. So you you do get approached with people, and you're like, oh, it's not. This isn't the right fit, or you. you I just. I think um, I don't say no to a lot of people or anything like that. I think it's like. There's a lot of people, like everybody who I want to work with right now, I'm pretty much working with. Right. You know, like if you look, anybody who I really like support and feel really strongly about what they do, like they're part of Black Book. And if they're right. not, there's like always some, you know, weird reason that you just chalk it up to life and then you just like yeah. keep moving on. And I still promote those places because I still believe in those places because I don't need to get paid by them to tell people that so like you're going to have a good pizza at this spot, you know? I still believe in them. What's your... If you're in the airport and someone says, what do you do? 
What's your response? Oh, I know. It's so weird. I was just having that conversation when I was in LA. Um, what does Holly I, Finnegan say? The guy's I like, said, so what do you do? What do you do? I, I tell them that I run a modern day marketing group to showcase the best of Nantucket Island. And that basically I run a travel website that's social print and digitally based. Um, and then they like can get And they've they probably don't. lost you after the first yeah, part. They're like, they're like, what? like no, what marketing the It's <laughs> like I help brand. I help these guys take their brand into a different level, socially, digitally, whatever. Yeah, and it's interesting uh, just looking at peripherally, like taking, you're branding these products, but it's through Nantucket. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, that's the, that's like the word, you know, like Nantucket. Like that's like the word that everybody loves. Hashtag that's why Nantucket. I like hashtag Nantucket. Well, we did a, and I've, I've been really fiercely strong about making sure that people understand the education behind social media. I mean, Jason Bridges and I have taught social media classes out here since 2012, whether it's Twitter 101, Instagram, we did a Pinstagram class, we do a social media 101, like we do all the email marketing, like people there's no reason why you should know all these things. You need people to like teach you them. You need people. Oh to, like, yeah. There's a reason you. most companies have someone handling just social or, media or that own. they don't do it. There's a lot of businesses out here who'd refuse to do it because they don't want to look stupid because they don't want to put themselves out there and not be able to like curate the content or understand what they're doing. But don't you think it's just about ultimately being truthful? Like just be yourself and be honest with what, like don't try and pretend like I, you know, when I look at someone's Instagram, I'm like, that is a stage. They're just, they're, it's transparent. I yeah. think personally, I can look at someone's picture and they, I'm like, ah, that looks a little staged. Yeah. Like you're clearly trying to do something trying here. To convey, convey yeah, like some convey. sort of emotion instead of just being real. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about now. That's what people, we're in a place right now where there's an oversaturation of content. So right now there's like a, there's how many best guides to Nantucket? There's 24 hours in Nantucket, 36 hours in Nantucket, 48 hours in Nantucket. Your best guide in Nantucket, like five. They're all over the place. Everybody can give you that, and everybody can say that they have the best guide because who's dubbing them that? Internet Explorer. Who cares? Like that's fine. Well, first off, you're going to Internet Explorer. You're, you got <laughs> Did I say that? What about yeah. Safari? Safari. Safari. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, that, there's a '90s reference. <laughs> so really date my 33 year old self. So I I think that what people want right now is like somebody to trust and somebody who has like a more of an authentic, genuine vision of what Nantucket is. And that's why I'm really passionate about supporting all the nonprofits that are out here. Like there's no way that I would have a black book that didn't have a whole support section of 12 different nonprofits that you should go and support over the course of the summer as well. Cause that's what makes this place amazing is the preservation. I do tons of work with preservation trust. I love those guys. I love the August Fed. I love what those guys do and to like actually like the whole gut fish non houses and showcasing how people have been able to remain authentic on the outside and recreate a home inside that feels like natural to them even though the outside still looks like 1774 that's amazing about nantucket and that's what's missing in other places i can see that when you go to other resort towns that don't have people taking care of the island as well yeah as like i agree with you i don't disagree i think that that keeping that integrity if, if you didn't have hdc be so strong and stuff you you could end up with just you know a just you go to some of these other vacation towns yeah. just it's pretty stringent getting but the, then gu you, the guidelines are so tough. and But then you go in, like, in the wintertime, because how many photos of sanctity covered in snow do I need to post? I go to other places that are like-minded travelers that, like, Nantucket go to, and then I see what they're doing and, like, how people are getting information up there. So, like, I did a ton of work in Stowe last year, which I love. I love that you said that, though. I totally, like, I don't know how many pictures I can look at of that <laughs> fucking lighthouse. It's like, and I get it. It's gorgeous and stuff, but, like, there's, like... 
I want someone, can Black Book post a picture of the dump? Of the dump. Wait, <laughs> did you, wait, do you remember the trashing show that we did this summer? We did a trashing show I, I wasn't show there at Cisco, at Cisco Brewers, that's right. The which reuse. is amazing. And while we're at the dump, we were there with Bill Belichick. And like, I was like, I love that Bill Belichick is at the dump right now while we are literally dumpster diving. <laughs> dumpster diving. For outfits for our trashing did, show and learning from that. Charlie Gifford. I mean, it's amazing. Like, there is so, and that's where like, you know... Nantucket is like whatever you want to make of it. Like if you want to do like the high end CNBC Lux Nantucket life, like go ahead, do it. You can do it. We'll take your money. Like there's a lot of people around here that like really thrive off of the fact that people love to like, you know, really throw down when they get here. There's a lot of people who come out here and the last thing they want to do is CNBC because they're so high profile other places. And that's why they come here and they feel like at home and at peace because you can be whoever you want here. It doesn't mean that like, you know, you have to dress up or you have to be at this bar or show your face at this club or the paparazzi or anything like that. Nantucket right. has nothing like that, which keeps... Yeah, there the, isn't a paparazzi out here, is there? I mean, Gene Man. Gene Man. Like, which is he's amazing. The o, he's the OG. Yeah, I mean, he's OG. And like, people can like <laughs> really appreciate when they see Gene Man because they're stoked because they love seeing Gene Man because they're like, oh, cool, I might be in that next newsletter with all the photos from the Nantucket Wine Fest. Yay. You know, it's like, that's like, isn't that wonderful that whoever you would think consider paparazzi people are psyched to see not like shading their faces so that's interesting i had a question when do you when did you start actually what was that like moment where you did because i think in everyone's story when you i don't need to bartend anymore because mm. that's a that's a big transition mm. you know everyone that's puts themselves out there with with an idea and says i'm going for this yeah. and not looking back when what year did you start actually making money and you didn't have to bartend anymore <laughs> Well, uh, so my, so I started bartending out here in 05. I did seasonal from 05 to 2010. And then I was year round here from 2010 on. Um, and in 2000 and God, 2010, my mom got sick again. And I was kind of like, she always wanted me to get out of the bartending industry. She was always like, I think she was, it was always one of those things that she was not upset because she knew it afforded me a very nice luxury lifestyle and whatnot. I was able to travel the world and have a lot of fun and always managed to get myself in some sort of tax debt and get out of it. It was like, you know, she, she saw the vicious cycle that it became. And in 2013, she got pretty sick. In 2014, she passed away. And in 2014, what was it? It oh, was geez. like April eighth. It's okay. What did she okay. die? She had mean. something called leiomyosarcoma. It's like a, you know, actually Marshall Thompson's um, ex-wife. Her name was God. What was her name? She had it as well. It's super rare. Is it a cancer? It's like it's a cancer. Yeah, it's like a smooth muscle mass cancer. So it's the kind of cancer that like basically it like comes on to smooth muscle, kind of just like a, like a, a scoop of ice cream, you know, like it's just there and you can go in and when it's in places like your shoulder, you can just go in and ice cream, scoop it out and just mm-hmm. get it gone. And so my mom had had it for like almost 12 years and eventually it wasn't in places where they could just ice cream, scoop it out it's anymore. Spread. And it had gone into like her like stomach area. So like back in 2014, she passed away on like August or excuse me, April 8th. And I was going back to the bar. I was at Ventuno. I had been upstairs and an aptly named Holly's house, little spot, which I loved. It was like my own private club. I had the best time up there, but, um, four seater bar used to be John Krebs and I loved it up there. I really did. But my first weekend back was wine festival and I got really banged up behind the bar and I like all of a sudden you know everyone come in and be like oh I'm so sorry about your mom and I'd be like oh it's cool let's just take a shot of tequila it's totally fine and yeah. then at like the end of the Saturday night I like got home and I was like 
no more. And I just knew it was like, you can't like, sometimes like some weird, like, um, you know, like you'll basically have like those moments where there will be like a, you'll realize that what's behind you is a medicine cabinet. And for me, that was like, I was looking at it, like it was just going to like numb a bunch of shit that was going on in my life that I was like, I need to like actually face. So I just was like, can't do it. And I told those guys and they were like, okay. You know, like when your mom died. Yeah, so the next weekend it was Figali weekend, and I I don't I, I'll be, I had a strong following and stuff, and I've been bartending for like nine years and stuff. So all of a sudden on Facebook I just put up and I was like, all right, who's ever out tonight? It's my last night, it's Sunday of Figali, so I'm gonna focus on my writing. Bye. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, like a week before it was, oh, we can't wait to have this season, this dance party and everything. But I knew I was like, I I knew that like I would probably start using the. I would start using the bartending as a way to like really just try to forget about like everything that was going on and stuff. And, you know, I just realized it was like me or the bar. So, um, so I stopped and that was like pretty big deal because it was, you know, I mean, I always compare being a bartender on Nantucket to being like a white collared stripper. So it was like, I like, <laughs> I was making a lot of money and like, I didn't know how to like, you know, you don't know how to turn back from that. And I wasn't making that much money on Black Book. I mean, I was like doing okay. I was like getting paid to, you know, post this thing or write about this article, but it wasn't enough to like, it wasn't like making like a thousand bucks a night or anything. So you, uh, so I ended, you know, it's just a lifestyle choice, you know, eventually I think you like have to realize that like something has to give. And I was looking at like both of my businesses and I was like, you know, I don't want to own a restaurant. I'm not, I don't I mean, I like food, but I like drinking better. So I was like, I don't want to like be a bartender for the rest of my life. Women bartenders age so fast. I was like, my God, I'm gonna be like 70 years old and I'll be like 38. So I was like, I need to get out of here. So, uh, so then I started to do the whole like black book thing full time that summer. And so now I just finished my third year as like full time black book, which my friend Joanne Burnham, who I love, always says to me that businesses have three years. They do one year where they creep and one year when they steep and then the third year they will leap. And so that's like how you can look at really good brands and businesses. They have this like kind of year where you don't really know what they're doing. They've got this second year, like a tea bag where they just kind of like steep and marinate with people. And then they have that third year where they can really like actually excel. And that's what this year was for me because it was like, even though I've been doing it for five years, it's only been really like full time for three. Yeah. But if you had to go back and look at, did you read Outliers? It's such a great Yeah. Book. I love Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, he's yeah. the man. Revisionist yeah. podcast is awesome. Oh, I haven't listened to he's that great. one though. Yeah. Okay. He's got, uh, um, anyway, just that your outlier. I was just thinking, you know, you nine years of bartending and all that stuff in a way kind of prepares you, pushes you into that because you had all those contacts being in from listening to that, hearing that moment where you're like, I can put this together and there's something here that I can do something with. Not realizing that you, I'm going to become a marketing branding person, mm. but falling into that, it's pretty amazing. But that path that took you to there was all those contacts, right? Just, yeah, they, yeah. All your bar, all your drinking buddies. They're, you, always, they're already paying me to begin with. They're always like tipping me. Right, they tip me during the day. Being when able to not take that and go and realizing that you want to do something with it, you know, I think a lot of people, and I think that's what my podcast. Hopefully, people listen to it people that have put themselves out there. Rob Cacuzzo and I talked about that. Yeah, I listened to that, that one That decision to go out there and do it is really important. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when I hear people's stories and stuff, I like that. I love hearing people that go for something. Yeah, yeah. And don't fuck around. Yeah. Because you can't make it if you're just going to kind of half-ass it. You have to go for it. Totally. Yeah, and you, I mean, 
at this point in the game too, it's like, it's so easy, like you said, to check out somebody and think they're like fake or check out like somebody's profile or somebody's Instagram account or like if their online and offline personas don't match, it's really hard nowadays because like, that's what I love like about what I do is I know that I'm the same voice and same person that you listen to when you're reading out loud something I wrote that uh, would be the same person that you would see in person. Like I'm not like trying to be this cool, like blogger style chick when I actually feel like I have a face for radio and would love to to like be in my pajamas most of the days. Like I'm not like trying to be anybody that I'm not. I'm just like somebody who has spent enough time out here that I know, like, I really know what I think is good. And like, what I think is good is not necessarily what everyone would believe, but at least it kind of like gives people a chance to kind of um, choose their own adventure with whatever Nantucket offers them. Yeah. But it seems to me that you had the wherewithal to kind of understand the dynamic and the consumer out there and to be able to cater Black Book to that. And know, you know, that t- that's a talent, you know, not Thanks. everyone has that, right? I'm, Thanks. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's like, you know what, I was four years into a black book, like a digital and social brand, and then I launched print, because I was like, I'm so sick of watching people on their phone. Like, I hate, I hate it, and I create it, and this is like what I'm doing, so I'm going to create a printed guide so that everybody can hold it when they're at the beach, in the bathroom, I don't even care, like, whatever you do with it, like, just have something else to, to hold and look through, and most people would be like, that's so dumb, print is dying, and I was like, no way, like, these kind of things, like, people holding something, having that, like, if you look at the way that people look at a Kindle now, Kindle looks like work. Because people are staring at screens all the time for work. So then you go to a Kindle and you look at a Kindle. Now that looks like work. Yeah, so that's holding interesting. a book is a luxury. Writing something down is a luxury. It's like this total switch of like how people used to like think of like efficiency or anything. Now they're like, no, I would so much rather like hold my book while I read it. Like feel the pages, like get through the chapters, know how much more I have left. Like look at it as some sort of accomplishment because looking at a book looks like vacation. That's interesting. And all that, the minute you go to someone's site, do you feel like you can look and say, all right, these people don't have their shit together? (laughs) I mean, like everybody should have their site made for mobile now. So if you don't have a site that's made for mobile, then I, I question about what you're doing. Right. Because if you're if your site is still showing up on my phone the exact same way it would on your MacBook right here. Oh, you mean so so for people to understand if the image is enlarged and it's not fit to your screen. Yeah, it doesn't fit to your screen. If it's not like the menu bar is not like, you know, the little lines kind of thing, I can say I would be like, that person needs to spend a little time oh, on their shit. website. Oh shit, let me check. Shit. I gotta look I up ins- inside the whale and see Uh-oh. what it- <laughs> I think I looked it at I looked it at on on your on my desktop. You were looking good. It was it it looked all right. Dude, Squarespace. It's I mean it's Squarespace, which is amazing because they are able to do digital and and um like the desktop and mobile really well. The the functionality of Squarespace is great. And uh, if you want to sponsor Squarespace, this uh, episode is sponsored sponsored by by Squarespace, Squarespace. which is perfect. We're doing a TED Talk now. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I was just my next question was what are some of your social media pet peeves? What's your biggest pet peeve on social media that you're like oh. <laughs> typos? Typos. People can't spell correctly. No, I mean because I get those too. Everybody. I'm amazed say, like, at how much content goes out there with with typos, yeah. misprints, misspellings, yeah. wrong tags, wrong kind of tags. 
I'll tell you, I don't like when people tag like 70 people in like a photo, like they, because they're just trying to like get seen. You're pandering. Yeah. So I tell it like I give a whole class on Instagram and I tell people that the, the first rule of Instagram is HTML. So it's hashtags, tagging, mindfulness and location. If you don't have those four things in your Instagram post, you shouldn't be posting it. If you don't have your own hashtag or a hashtag that you're trying to get people to follow, uh, if you don't have anybody to tag, you're not talking about or talking to someone, or if you don't have the location set up in like the little location box at the top and then the most important one mindfulness if you're tagging like 20 people just to have them see what you're doing like for me I don't let people like you'll never see people ta who tag me in my photos like it won't if you look at photos of Nantucket Black Book they're only photos that I've tagged myself in in certain photos I won't let people just tag me in their photos and then put them in my thing because I think it's like just a cheap cop out way of trying to get get seen or get people to like kind of. And I feel like there's so much of that. It re I have because of my music background, I have equate everything to bands, and it mm -hmm. feels very much like that. Just people are just trying to get noticed. If someone's got a a new product or something they're promoting or their new blog spot or yeah. whatever, there there's so much content. Yeah. What is it like every? Uh, minute seven million hours or something is uploaded to YouTube. It's just crazy. It's yeah, it's yeah. insane. And so there's just this static. I think. Yeah. yeah. So I do think there's like a there'll be a paradigm shift mm -hmm. where it'll just maybe revert to back to something simpler. Yeah. Or, but that's like, there's a whole minimalistic approach to everything right now. Like everyone is doing less with more focus. Everyone wants more, less things that are made of more quality. Like the only thing that people want excessive things of now is self-care. Like that's what people are willing to spend things on. Self-care and experiential marketing. Yeah. Those are the two things. You remember the trend that was cool to have people would put music on their websites Oh yeah, you don't see that oh, anymore. It's so tacky. <laughs> if you go to someone's website and they have music playing, and like, right. turn this know. off. What I don't is like this? That. My iTunes. What the I don't hell? Download it. It's yeah. like, remember when YouTube got your like downloaded their whole album to your like iTunes? Remember when that happened? Yes, that was a big backfire. That was a big. That was backfire. a media mess. Yeah, so it's like don't like, like don't force your like brand, your business, your music on people. Let them like experience it for themselves and then decide if they want to like press play. For so whatever. how do you balance that? What's your balance for you? For for my Just, own yeah, not stuff, being or? not being overbearing. Like, nah. what's your line? Like, nah. how do you how do you? Because I think it's you have to yeah. be careful when you're posting stuff. And totally. You, what, how do you balance that? I mean, like they say, don't post more than three times a day. Like three times, Jesus. I know, seriously. But that's like for people who have a lot of content to put out. I would say somebody like you with like building a brand like this, then you should post five times a week. You know, if you can do, if you can do like you know Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or something like that, and post an Instagram one of those days of like something. If especially, but if you're brand building, if you're just personal and you're using it just for fun post as little or as much as well, you so want. So this is what's interesting with the podcast is I've seen the numbers have continually gone up mm -hmm. and people are going back and I'm hitting my demographic are, are just people that are into podcasts mm -hmm. and there's still a big percentage of people that aren't into it. They haven't gotten the routine of just popping one on yeah. on their walk, but there are, there is a good number of Definitely. people that are, yeah, that are out podcasts. there that yeah. are into it. And I have those people and I've seen the numbers over the years uh, the older episodes keep going up. Yeah. 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 And it keeps, uh, more and more people engaged. I think the more yeah. consistent I am. Totally. But, uh, I would say I definitely view it like inside the whale. It's a brand. It's yeah, like, it's a brand. It's, it is. Uh, and, and back to what we were talking about too, is I, 
the Google search now, I own Nantucket Podcast. Awesome. Anytime you Google search that, it comes up. I So Perfect. I have a year and a half of hashtagging Nantucket Podcast. Yeah, Nantucket. you should. Act Podcast. Anything about yeah. Nantucket and podcasts, Inside the Whale is going to come up. Yeah, definitely. So that's a good start, I think, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, if I was... If I were helping you brand build with this kind of stuff, it would be a lot about like, what is your, um, what is that 160 characters of what is inside the whale? Like, what would you say? Like what those two sentences are about like who you are? Yeah. I think it, it, this sounds hallmarky, but inspirational stories, people that have, Mm -hmm. I want to bring a diverse, interesting mix of people. Mm -hmm. And I think we become empowered as the listener, when we listen to people's stories, people yeah. are going to listen to your story. They may take some little kernel out of your story yeah. and it might inspire them to do something different. I think yeah. that's the power of it. Yeah, And I, I like this form, long form conversation. I think we don't get, people are always, I have a lot of people offering opinions. You, it's too long. It's too mm-hmm. long. It needs to be 20 minutes. It needs to be a half hour. I'm not interested in that. I think mm-hmm. we really don't understand. I like listening to people talk. I like the conversation. Mm-hmm. The podcasts that I like, Mark Maron, Joe Rogan, those are long form mm-hmm. podcasts. And that's the form that I chose that I like. And There's I wanna... something to be said about a 17 minute podcast though. You know, like if you think of what that sweet spot is of somebody committing to your podcast, like if you, I personally believe if you could have a balance between inspirational stories, 30 miles out to sea, that is long form and short form together that you could have like really interesting. There's some people whose stories don't necessarily need an hour and a half. Totally. There's a lot of interesting stories that can be told in those like, you know, first 15 minutes of something that could really capture and stick with people and stay with them that like, you know, maybe you would, once you've exhausted all the 90 minute formats of these people, you go back and you find like, you know, the, like those other stories that kind of come in and use as fillers, almost as like commercial breaks in between the bigger, longer stories. I've dabbled in that a little bit. I understand what you're saying. And, and if someone's story is that short, I mean, I've had half hour ones, yeah, yeah. but I, and, uh, I don't know. I just try and keep it real, you know, totally. like stuff that totally. I'm interested in. If I'm interested in someone, oh, that's a really great story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or someone and everyone's got one out here. That's totally. the thing too. Nantucket has so many diverse, interesting People have done amazing things and yeah. I'm just continually blown away. I know. The list must be forever long. I'm looking yeah. at 42. It's cool. I know, you know. It's really cool. It's really neat. And it's like, you know, it's an honor to be able to to tell your Nantucket story and do it in a way that feels like right and like off the cuff and less like rehearsed because that's like when I think like when you hear people's stories that they get up and they tell their, you know, they've got five minutes on the dreamland stage to tell people about what they do. Sometimes again, that contrived super, um, rehearsed feeling comes out and then they don't seem as real anymore yeah it's funny even with you like your person after just talking with you you're a little like more gruffer i thought you were fluffier fluffier like a bunny like not what? buffy i just i don't know but like you definitely <laughs> like are a lot more business minding than, than i knew hopefully the listeners get that like you clearly know what the fuck you're wow. doing <laughs> i think I'll, you know what it was interesting seriously you have you, said, have you you have a confidence with it and it takes time I, i'm getting that right now i sat with a guy yesterday because he's got a beautiful home for sale off of Madiket and um and he had called me and he said i don't know what you do i don't want to know what you do i need your help with an open house and so I was like, all right. And I went and met up with the guy and I had a really nice conversation with him and his real estate agent. And he was like, 
upset at the at like the concept that I wasn't being used more in the real estate world. He was just like, you know, like this is like an asset to marketing for real estate. How come this isn't like how come not more people are using this ding, for us? Ding, even ding. So it's like it's one of those moments though. It's like there's a shift in um like what is that quote? They say First, they what is it? First, they laugh at you. Then they ignore you. Then they fight you. Then you win, or kind of thing. Like mm. it's like it's like that. Like I've had the like book of power. what is that one? It's like I think it's like some. It's like a African proverb. I don't even know. I'm whatever. Let's look it up so that we can like go back to it and tag it. <laughs> well, there. But there's, it's like. But it is. But it is that like whole thing. Like when I was first doing this, like like first they laugh at you. Like people were like, "What blogs? Social media? Like." Are you talking to tweens? Like whatever, you can Instagram, Facebook, you know, and it was like, all right, you know, there was like a lot of like resistance towards it. And then there was like a big part of me that was getting ignored for like a couple of years where it was like people wouldn't invite me to certain things. They wouldn't like almost I was like caddy like, caddy yeah, kind of stuff. It was like basically like kind of like people were like, We don't want that here kind of thing. Like we don't want social media or we don't want like that kind of publication talking about what we're doing, or they were like, um, I got like a piece of hate mail once talking about like, you know, how much I changed and like, you know, that I was like, how cool do you think you are? Like, we remember you when you didn't have two pennies to rub together kind of shit. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, you've had some hate, huh? Well, yeah, and I've had like a lot of animosity towards from other medias that I've had to like really like dodge. I've had like a lot of like... Well, because you're successful. Well, or or also because I really tried to stay nice the whole time. I would never like respond to any of this stuff. I would like literally like get those kind of things, have like a fetal position moment, like think about moving off island and then like put my pants on and fucking get the fuck back out there because that's what you have to do. You can't like let these things paralyze you because that's when you fail is when you start caring too much about all these things like unsigned hate mail. Like, please like what a coward the fact that someone took time took to, time to write something to like write. that and mail it to my inbox like i mean it was like legit and there was a lot of spelling errors in it it was terrible <laughs> you know but the journalist like, and you couldn't I mean, stand it I, I couldn't it's just like horrible writing so oh you could have did it was there a uh, return address no i literally <laughs> thought it, i thought it was a check i like i thought i was like oh, oh i think that person owes me 300 bucks i hope it's in here and i was like what? i haven't encountered that i haven't had someone pull me aside and be like your podcast sucks. Well, you know what? Regardless, it's gonna happen. They're I'm gonna sure. they're gonna say it probably after mine. I'll probably get a nice letter in the mail. I, uh, and uh, but you know the the whole concept of it is that like that's when like that's when they start to fight you. That's when it starts to like because you know that you're doing something. It's like if nobody's talking about you. Then what are you doing? You know, if people are talking about you and they're stoked to be on the podcast, like then you know that it's like a good thing to be on. Or not people aren't. I didn't approach you afterwards and was like, what's inside the whale? You know, it's like I knew what it was. I had like seen it and I was like stoked to be like asked to be on it you know like it's like those that's the momentum where you're at right now so you got to keep like going forward to number 50 number 100 number 200 whatever but then you win because 50 50 is going to be bartenders I'm going to do I did a um I did a chef episode I love it with all the chefs and uh, I talked to Clinton I got to talk to a few more bartenders and you can definitely be totally I want to do a round table uh with bartenders I love that that'd be amazing the chef I did one with chef uh who you have? That. I had Liam, uh, Scott Osip from the Galley, what? and Miami from awesome. Straight Warp. And it was people. really cool. And I want to keep bringing yeah. better. And that's one of my goals, too, is keep bringing better content. Totally. And, and making the podcast interesting. 
Yeah. And, and that engagement between those three people, like they're all friends, you know, they all like see each other out at a bar. They all know how hard the other person works. They like, whether it's Straight Wharf or Nautilus or the galley, you can see like the passion that those three people have, like, and then to hear their passion and watch them bounce things off each other. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, yeah. Totally. Bartender wouldn't be good. I mean, they're like, you know, they're the stories the behind stories, the bar. I mean, of behind the bar. I mean, totally. especially on Nantucket. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a crazy. book. You can't make this shit up by yeah. these people. Speaking so. of book, is there a book? Are you going to write a book? <laughs> I always talked about writing a book. You know what? The thing is, I started writing a book out here. Like, it was called the Nantucket Black Book. But it was like one of those books I felt like if as soon as I published, I'm going to have to move off this island. Not to be like, you know, like that it would like go over well. But it's like, I kind of feel like... It's not like a tell-all, but like once you work out here for long enough, all the characters kind of meld up into one. So somebody is probably always going to be offended by something, you know. So for right now, just keep it the vlog. But, you know, I always, I, I do talk about writing um, a book about what it's like to lose a parent. And I've talked to um, like a bunch of people about that. There's so many like, authors. Isn't it? What's, there's so many amazing authors out here. Well, there's so many amazing authors out here, but there's so much like death is like such a taboo. Like no one will like, no one will talk about death. Like, you'll talk about sex you'll talk about anything else like everything politics whatever it is like just like don't bring in the word death because all of a uh -huh. sudden that brings in like some big dark cloud and everyone's like i don't want to talk about that stuff anymore so for me it was like lost my mom i was like 30 i was like totally like couldn't you, shake you the were youth. clearly pretty close with your mom oh yeah, yeah and i could not shake the anger from my bones if like you could like you were i was pissed. just yeah i was just pissed i was like what the fuck like my mom's like 54 like you know it's like not fair so i thought about it my best friend had lost her mom three years before me and we always talked about writing a book about what it was like to lose a parent but then i decided that it's not just about like losing a parent it's just about like the like death in general because there's so many different types of death whether it be cancer or hospice or old age suicide tragedy so many people are affected by so many of those things and one of those chapters is going to resound with you at one point and if you could have somebody tell you that story about like you know like how did i get from death to life again kind of thing uh -huh. that's where it like is really at because that's what i'm passionate about is like really like helping people like see the other side of grief because that's like, you know, I was like building my business when my mom was like in hospice and I was like losing my mind. Well, you know? I would imagine the business was great to sink your energy into. It's <laughs> yeah, a great diversion. Like, yeah, like just work on that and stuff. And then, you know, afterwards I was just like, you know what? Like there's too, it's too easy to fall down this rabbit hole of like poor me, like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the type of person to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think too, I think the, for that story finding the most interesting way to tell Diane Reem just put a book out about you know her yeah, husband yeah. is the assisted suicide she she's a big advocate of yeah. it yeah yeah and uh you know that was a book about death and yeah. dealing with it and you know well, it's gonna happen to everyone all right well so what time are we at yeah we're, we're well I, my last question was what's next for black book we're at an hour so that's good that's good uh what's next for black book I am I'm in the pro I'm in a big transition right now. So what I'll do is I'll, um, I just got back. I was in Venice beach, California for the last like three weeks, just kind of sitting on it and trying to figure out like where to go from it because I was tired of it. Were you and with your like, friend, by the way, someone hooked me up with your friend who's the Burr Tupper hooked me up with, yeah. uh, what's her name? Jasmine uh, Takaniko. Yeah. She, she was coming out. I wanted to have her on so, the podcast. Amazing. Because her story was super interesting. She's going to be here. I'm doing a um, brand human experience here on Nantucket with her from January 5th to the 8th. So she might be a 
around your like, you know, yeah, totally. 51st podcast or something. Totally. Um, but yeah, yeah so we're, I'm going to do a whole retreat with her out here. That's all about like marketing and branding in today's trust economy and how to put yourself online and offline curation. So one, you should come to it Two, There'll be a, it's a 375 for the weekend. It'll be like, you know, all inclusive so that you can have all the, um, uh, sessions on Friday and Saturday. We'll do lunches together a lot about self-care and how to, you know, how entrepreneurs can make it without like losing themselves. So, um, so we'll definitely bring Jasmine out here. Yeah, Bert totally. Tupper was my pirate ship buddy. Who Did you was see him in, a, in, I in Venice? I in Venice. I nice, loved it. It was right awesome. On. And we talked about that. He was the guy who said that Nantucket is pirate ship, which I love. I have to give him major credit there for that. There you go, Bert. BT, you're getting a good ah, shot out here. He's the best. He's Venice wonderful. is cool, man. Venice is amazing. It? Venice has really healing vibes out there. There's something about it. It's a totally different, um, so I'll, I'll start to look into branding and more destinations. And I have five of them that I'll, I'll basically switch um, Black Book from just Nantucket Black Book to a new version of what Black Book will be, which will be modern day travel guides to happy places. Wow. So, so be good. So I'll still always be here. Nantucket's always going to be the anchor, but it's like, you know, it, it's time to figure out a way to be more sustainable. Nice. All well, right. So now I have questions for you. What's right, your favorite? Wait, hold on. Let, let me, uh, um, this is my Instagram picture. <laughs> The one and only. There you go. Oh wait, give me a better one. That you're oh at. Jesus! <laughs> I get it. Uh, what are your questions? Yeah, that's a good okay. One. Yeah, mine is. Um, what's your favorite restaurant? Uh, that's a tough one. Okay, so what is a restaurant highlight on Nantucket for you? I love um, restaurant highlight. I gotta say, um, Nautilus's lunch, yeah. uh, which starts on Friday. Liam's, uh, his banh mi sandwich is yeah. amazing. Okay. I love crew, the oyster. I love mm-hmm. boarding house. Mm-hmm. I would say probably I, between boarding house, Nautilus, boarding house, crew. Nautilus crew, but I love pie. Maria's awesome. Yeah. We're, that's one thing I will say. And I talked about this on the food podcast. Is yeah. Nan- I felt coming from New York. Yeah. The food culture on Nantucket is so amazing. Oh yeah. There's yeah, so yeah. many amazingly talented totally. chefs doing an awesome food yeah, yeah you yeah. know All right, chef well, rainer there's so many amazing i will angela and seth uh, angela if you happen to hear this you're um we were trying to do it in the summer summer just got too hectic oh, yeah. but i want definitely want angela and totally. seth on the podcast totally 25 years of the boarding house that's huge there's so many great restaurants it really is tough but i would say okay. my t- I, that banh mi sandwich banh mi sandwich at nautilus, at nautilus oysters at crew dinner and lunch at the boarding, boarding house, house and then anything at proprietors i do pri- proprietors yeah. brunch is pretty banging yeah. they have a really beautiful menu i don't yeah. know i feel anyway okay. that my point was that, that new york food culture is pretty amazing yeah. i feel like nantucket has a really amazing food culture okay what's your favorite what's like a highlight of a hotel that you tell people to stay in when they come visit when you don't want them to stay at your beautiful home oh jeez i don't have a um I mean, Nantucket Hotel is fine. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have one. I don't usually, we usually house people, but uh, I would probably say... Um, have you gone to Graydon House yet? We just ate there on Sunday for okay. the second time. Cool. It's fantastic. It's cool. Cool yeah. vibe. 76 Main. Yeah. Amazing spot. Perfect for like honeymooners. That's or, the like, one right up. That used right to be the Nesbitt Inn? No, that's 21 Broad. That's our sister restaurant, our sister hotel. That's okay. hotel. Also very good. Much more of like a, an affordable price range. I'll admit I'm not that uh, versed in the uh, Nantucket hotel world, but there's an, there's another great podcast, someone that runs a hotel. Okay, where do you shop? What's your like number one store on Nantucket? I do haul over. I, I shop at the haul over and then, uh, let's see, I definitely, I'm not a Murray's guy. 
or, or vineyard there's vines. There's something at Murray's for everybody, though. I is tell there, you. Oh, their shoe selection is pretty good, their actually. Shoe selection, they have a great, they shoe, have a great selection, shoe selection, and they have a great accessory collection. So you may not be like a Murray's guy that like is going to rock like the castaway pants or the Peter Malone yeah. tops, but their belts and their socks and their handkerchiefs, they're like kind of like statement kind of things. If you ever need something for a good suit or a good pair of pants, I definitely recommend that. All right. So, and then... Uh, well, we already know, like, as far as taste making goes, who your favorite landscaper is. And then, uh, <laughs> well, she's a gardener. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> she's a gardener. Who your favorite there's gardener plenty, is. There's plenty of uh, landscape and gardener, uh, people doing amazing work. I'm sorry, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff going on, though. Um, let's see. I don't, uh, yeah, I would say, I was just trying to think of other places, like, I shop downtown. I'm trying to think of where I shop. I don't, I'm a guy. I don't shop. <laughs> I don't this is shop. Good. This is why my black book demographic is seventy four percent female. This I don't, is like I don't important shop. for me to know. <laughs> all right, no. all right. What's your favorite way to get back to the island? Um, well, I loved. I'm so bummed that Island Air shut down. Yeah. Um, have I'm, you tried that Retrex yet? I have, and I know okay. some people just did it. That with the you know the boats were canceled mm-hmm. this last couple mm-hmm. of days, and some people did it. I haven't heard any bad or good, but. I know it's it's definitely got more expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have no, you flown it's 109. it? Um, I have not flown it yet. I do a lot of work with Cape Air, so I, I kind of. Got yeah, I haven't that. done Cape Air. Um, I have no problem with Cape Air. I just gotta uh, just do it more. But yeah. uh, I actually, you know, we did a slow boat back a couple like a mo- couple months ago, and it was great. Yeah, love the, the weather slow-bo. was like seventy. Sat up there and had a beer. A nice yeah. two hour cruise. No, it's like the coming and leaving of the island. There's something like really amazing about that. I think. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And then, what's your favorite holiday on Nantucket? I actually think we're coming up. I think Stroll's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think it really is. And this yeah. is, oh, speaking of branding, I tell my friends who work in marketing in San yeah. Francisco and New York, like Nantucket has done an amazing job of creating a shoulder season. Yeah. And this particular year from playing at Cisco this yeah. fall into the yeah. season, I've seen, it used to be really kind of quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been crowded. Yeah. I mean, not just like, like, few people it's been crowded yeah yeah yeah. and so nantucket has done a really great job of building that shoulder season and keeping people out here because of the food culture because of cisco with live music yeah because of all the things it has to offer not just you know the ocean yeah yeah i will it's been pretty amazing to witness that as a chamber of commerce there that's your favorite weekend stroll weekend put on by your chamber of commerce do daffodil and stroll i don't think enough people know that it's like that's really like that's a chamber of commerce thing. Yeah, Daffodil and Stroll Weekend are both put on solely by the Chamber of Commerce here. That's where all the money like for tourism and whatnot goes. So they do an amazing job, Janet and the team down there. I've been on the board of directors for the last three years with those guys. So it's it's cool to see like what those uh, shoulder seasons do. Yeah, because of those big weekends. Pr- yeah, it's crazy. It's Stroll's a fun weekend. Yeah, what's yours? You like My daffodil, favorite. right? I love daffodil. I like daffodil because I just love anything that exudes positivity and happiness. Like, how can you not be happy with, like, parades and antique cars and dogs dressed with flowers in them and, you know, tailgates that involve mimosas at, like, 1130? Like, it's like, those are, like, to me, like, daffodil is, like, a quintessential Nantucket weekend. Plus, it's, like, stroll, it's 36 hours. It's over and done with very quickly, while yeah. some of the other weekends kind of, like, you know, make a long one. I love the Nantucket Yoga Festival. They've done an amazing cool. job. Joanne and Ted have what done. Don't, I want to ask you something. What don't you like? What's your least favorite thing? <laughs> what do you hate about Nantucket? What do I hate about Nantucket? I we'll end know. it on this. No, yeah, we'll end it on yeah, positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only bad part about <laughs> Nantucket is leaving it. That's what my friend Mark, Michael Lorber said. Um, uh, what do I not like about Nantucket? 
I have a Murphy's Law problem where every time I'm trying to get off, I can't. And every time I'm trying to get back on, something happens. It's like inevitable. So, but that just makes me appreciate the island that much more. My first time to Nantucket back in Figawi weekend of 2005, I got stuck in Hyannis for two days. I thought I was going to start looking for a job at like San Diego's. And I was like, you know what? And then I got here and I was like, you know what? It was worth it. Nice. Well, there you have it, Holly. Minute, uh, uh, minute, hour and 15 we did. 15, I like that. That's good. So that's 75 minutes. I think that's good. I think that's the attention span, about 40 people I know. So we can definitely, I'll send this out. Listen, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll take your marketing advice. I'll trim it down to 17. I don't, I don't, I don't like to edit. I'm not going to edit it. Don't edit it. No, yes, I know. No. It's great. And if my mom was alive, I would have told you to take out a couple of the fucks, but I'm sure she won't really mind no, anymore. That's all so, right. you know. But enough. But I appreciate it. And I, I really love what you're doing. And you have a great radio voice. It's thank perfect. You. It's perfect for this. And I love actually going back and like when I was thinking about like what I was going to say or what I was going to do, it was so fun to go back through everybody's and like kind of listen to Jonathan's and listen to Jean's and listen to Rob's and like see like the cool influx of um, all these people who I knew who were already up there, but I like got to hear their story again for like the first time, even though it was like for the 30th. So <laughs> cool. Well, thank you. There it is. Nantucket Black Book, Holly Finnegan on Inside the Whale. You heard her here, folks. Spread the love. <laughs> I always, my thing is I always say thanks for the click. Thanks that's, for the click? Thanks for the click. I'm always like, thanks for the click. I, I like that. Is that, is is that, that branding? Be, is that a hashtag for you? I think we could do that. Should I do it? Hashtag, I never, hashtag I've, thanks for the click? I've never hashtag thanks for the click. Yeah, I think that'll be one of yours. Thanks for All the right. click. Cool. Put it there. there it is. Print it. We're done. Very cool. Very cool. Holly, thank you for coming on, man. I have to say, you know, she's proof that if you build it, it will come. If you're passionate and you believe in it, and uh, God, I just, uh, I think her story is just so interesting because it's someone who was able to reinvent themselves and, and, and create something that is uh, is so successful and clearly makes them happy. Although she did seem like she was a little burnt out, but I'm sure running a business isn't easy, right? Running a podcast isn't easy. Running life isn't easy, but uh, you got to love it. Got to have a passion for it. Whatever it is you do, figure it out, find it, hone it, and own it. I'm going to hashtag that. That'll be my brand strategy. Hashtag own it, hone it, and own it, right? Anyway, Holly, thanks again for coming on Inside the Whale. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Now it's time to hop off the interwebs, get out and go do something awesome. Go downtown, go shopping. That was a tough question when she asked me where are my favorite restaurants. I do have that was a tricky that's a trick question, Holly. There's so many good restaurants. I just I, it's hard to pick. And uh, I admit I don't do a ton of clothes shopping on Nantucket. But uh, again, I'm not a boat shoes kind of guy. All right, uh, that I'll let the other guys wear those pink pants and boat shoes. That's I'll leave it at that. Anyway, folks, happy holidays. We're in it, folks. Episode 42 down. I'm over and out. I'm going out. I'm gonna go play my guitar loud. Good thing, I'm a going to be
fishing, yes, I'm going fishing, I'm going fishing too.